Oh, hey, I'm so glad that you found us. My name's Michael, and I get to be the pastor at Shepherd's Community United Methodist Church in Lakeland, Florida. You're listening to the It's Better When You're Here podcast, where every week we upload the messages that are preached at our church every Sunday. We hope by listening to this, uh, you feel safe, heard, and loved by the God that created you. We hope this message makes an impact in your life. If listening to this makes a difference, reach out to us and connect with us either on social media or on our website, shepherdsumc.com. All right, here's the message. Listen now to the word of the Lord. I thank God every time I mention you in my prayers. I'm thankful for all of you every time I pray, and it's always a prayer full of joy. I'm glad because of the way you have been my partners in the ministry of the gospel from the time you first believed it until now. I'm sure about this. The one who started a good work in you will stay with you to complete the job by the day of Christ Jesus. I have good reason to think this way about all of you because I keep you in my heart. You are all my partners in God's grace, both during my time in prison and in the defense and support of the gospel. God is my witness that I feel affliction to you all, to all, for all of you with the compassion of Christ Jesus. This is my prayer that your love might become even more and more rich with knowledge and all kinds of insight. I pray this, that you will be able to decide what really matters, and so you will be sincere and blameless on the day of Christ. So there was this great artist named Michelangelo. It was a shock for me when I was a, a young adult to find that he was not actually a Ninja Turtle, but in fact, an Italian artist. Well known for lots of different mediums, paint and stone. And he was once asked, Michelangelo, how do you take marble and turn it into an angel? This morning, we're continuing our series called All In, where we're looking at what it means to be stewards of what God has given us. You'll see this in your bulletin. This is your stewardship card. This is your opportunity to say, this is how I'm going to be a part of this church. You'll see that there is a place for you to put what you plan on giving financially, but that's not all. We're also looking for the ways that you can be in prayer, in service, and be a part, a full part of this community. When we say the Apostles' Creed, which happens, we say that we believe in the Holy Catholic Church, which is the old way of saying the Holy Unified Church. And that just means to me that I can't be holy without you. I can't be holy with all of us working together. And so when you fill out the stewardship card and put it into the plate in the back, you are saying, this is how I'm going to be a part of this church, how I'm going to be a part of this community. So I encourage you to fill that out. Why do we practice stewardship? Because we do this because we are friends of Christ. There was this old paradigm that God was way up on a mountain, and we as the lowly humans just looked up with unwashed hands trying to just avoid the lightning bolts. But friends, that is no longer the case. We as followers of Jesus, we're Christians and we believe that Christ has come and dwelt among us so that we might actually be friends with God. What a wild thing to believe that we could actually be friends of the creator of the universe. But that is why we practice stewardship. Uh, we do this as something that protects us against fear and stinginess, fear and greed. It's in some ways a vaccine against those ailments that affect all of us, a fear that we're not going to have enough a fear uh, that we need to get more. When we practice generosity, it protects us from that 
like covering your nose when you sneeze protects everyone else from a cold. It protects us from those things. This morning we'll talk about we, we do this work. We practice generosity because God is not done being at work with all of us. Amen? I am a work in progress. I am a rough draft. And some days I feel rougher. But I am not done. And God is not done with me. When we tithe, we are continuing the work God began in us. So our passage this morning comes from an epistle. Everyone say epistle. (laughs) Uh, It's a funny church word that means a letter. Uh, It's just a fun way to say that and make your mom think that you just said a bad word. Uh, An epistle is a letter. Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament in these forms of letters. So what Paul would do is he was a He was a traveling tent maker. So he would go around, he would make tents for people in a city, and on his off time, he would also raise up a church. So he'd preach on a corner, meet people, get to know their stories, and then start a church. He wouldn't build a building. He would create a community of people. And then that community of people would then meet their neighbors and bring more people in, kind of like what happened here. The only reason we exist is because Someone by the name of Tim Carson decided to talk to a lot of strangers, right? Some of those strangers are here in this room. And the only reason why some of you are here is because someone that you love loved you well enough to bring you along. That's what Paul was doing. And so in this passage, Paul is talking to the church at Philippi and saying something to the effect of, I love you. I am so grateful for who you are. And I know that God is not done in you. God is still at work. And see, the reason why these epistles matter so much to us is this. The work of the church is bigger than all of us. I served a church in Winter Park, and the very first pastor built the church. And I don't mean in a figurative sense. I mean that he got wood, and he got nails, and that's what he did. He built the pulpit. He built the building. And that building got torn down like 20 years later, but that's what would happen if I built the church. Uh, We would have it for a good eight months, and then a stiff breeze would just blow it right over. But that's what was created. And then that pastor moved on to another church. And like this church, our church was built up with a pastor that loved his neighborhood, and then another pastor, and then a whole bunch of pastors all one after the other, then me. And all of those pastors have left an indelible mark in this community, and this church is so much bigger than all of us. This church is so much bigger than me. This church is so much bigger than all of us. All of the work that we do will continue to reverberate long after we're gone. I know I'm not supposed to say this, but I'm an itinerant pastor. I serve at the behest of a bishop. The bishop called me up. It wasn't a bishop, it was someone else, but someone that was talking for the bishop said, hey, good news, you're going to Lakeland. And one of these days, the bishop will call me, may it be in 30, 40, 50 years, maybe not 50 years, I'm going to be so retired, and he's going to say, or she is going to say, good news, you're going somewhere else. And friends, this church will endure. This church will continue to reverberate on and on and on, and in 100 years, they're going to say, Was that guy's name Matt LeBlanc? No, that was the guy that played Joey Tribbiani on Friends. He was all right, 
But let's think about what's coming next. The story of the church at Philippi is that Paul was telling the people there, God is working on you, but God is working on your city. Amen? God is working on all of us, but God is working on Lakeland. And what Paul needs us to see now is that all of us are a work in progress. For too long, the church has been a destination, not a throughway. For too long, the church has felt as if once I start going to church, then I'll be all right. Instead, the church needs to be a place where we begin a journey, not end one. If you are hoping that just by coming into church every Sunday morning, your life will miraculously change, I don't know how to tell you this, but it's not going to happen, friends. The church is the beginning of an adventure, not an end. And friends, when we tithe, we are continuing the work God began in us. So we're supposed to be in progress. Paul writes all these things and expects us to be under construction. I feel bad for my friends uh, sat at this table, but if you uh, direct your gaze to that back corner, you'll see some creative drywall work that is almost done. Over a year ago, we had a flood here in the sanctuary, and all of the water out there came all the way in here and destroyed our carpet. And just as fast as they could, the insurance came and and paid out uh, only 18 months later. And then we found a contractor, and then we found another contractor, and then we found another contractor, and then we just begged someone to come and do the work, and they finally did. And so this church is literally under construction. There's actually quite a bit of work done out front, but we found a good contractor, I guess, and you can't even tell. So the rain will stay out there and not come in here. And then hopefully next week, please, oh Lord, next week, we will have new paint in the sanctuary. And then two weeks after that, we will have new carpet. And you're all going to be so careful with your coffee. And we're going to be a work in progress. This church will look different than it used to. While we are under construction, we are still going to work. What an easy analogy, friends. We as preachers, we call that a gimme. While the church is under construction, do you know what's going to be going on? Fall Fest, Pumpkin Patch, Youth Group. All of these things are still going to be happening. We're still going to be worshiping. There's a chance that we're all going to be able to come to worship and put chairs on sticky floors that have just been scraped down. And the audio will be great. Um, All of us will feel it in our molars. But we're not going to stop the work. While we are under construction, we are still working. We don't wait for perfection to get busy. I can't tell you how many times, I'm a a recovering youth director, was in youth ministry for 10 years, and I can't tell you how many great people I talked to about serving in youth ministry, and they would tell me something to the effect of, I don't have my life together. I'm not not ready to serve in that way. I I need to be better. I need to be holier. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to here. Oh, I, I, you know, I don't know. I'm not really there yet. I don't know if I've really you know, if I, if I have the gifts or the abilities. And I don't know how to tell you that God doesn't call the equipped. God equips the called. I know, I know it's corny, but it's true. God doesn't call the equipped. God equips the called. I, I, I don't have my life together enough to be a pastor, friends. I don't have my life together enough to do pretty much anything, but I do have a Savior that does. I serve a God who's creative enough that sees the pile of mistakes and failings and foibles in my life and says, I can work with that. Sees all of my past 
failures, sees all the sin that I still struggle with and says, yeah, good. I can make beautiful things out of that. We don't wait for perfection to get busy. And friends, when we tithe, we are continuing the work God began in us. And we as a church, we, we have not arrived. We are not perfect. Amen? We are in progress, friends. We are at work. We get to see little glimpses of progress and change and growth and new friends and new possibilities and, and new life. We get to see all of those things, but then we remember that we are not done. On October 22nd, you're going to be able to worship with us at 9 a.m. or 10.30. Uh, you could worship at 9 and 10.30 if you wanted to. The sermon will sound similar, but you're more than welcome to do that. We are not doing that because it is easy. We are doing it because it will make us stretch. And friends, we are doing it ultimately to make new disciples of Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but sometimes I forget when I wake up on Sunday morning that that's why we're here. We're not here to sing beautiful songs, although we get to do that. We're not here to have delicious potluck lunches, even though we get to do that. We are here to make new disciples of Jesus Christ because our lives have been changed and other lives deserve to be changed as well. And friends, we don't grow for growth's sake. We grow because the Holy Spirit is at work. We don't grow for growth's sake. We grow because the Holy Spirit is at work. I don't know if you know this, but I see the Holy Spirit at work in every single one of you. When I talk to you, when, when we share a cup of coffee before worship or after, when we interact on social media or text during the week, I don't know how to tell you this. I've seen change in every last one of you and growth. And I know you think I'm talking about someone else. I promise you, I am not. I'm looking at all of you knowing that I've seen growth in all of you, even in the short amount of time that we've been able to know each other. And so we're not growing for growth's sake. We're growing because I see all of you growing. We're adding another service because I know that we're finally ready. I know that the Holy Spirit is doing a thing in all of us that requires us to go beyond where we are. And generosity is how we grow. When we are generous with our time, our talent, our money, we grow because of it. Growth is not comfortable. Growth is uncomfortable. And when we grow, generosity comes along with it. And when we tithe, we are continuing the work God began in us. God sees potential in all of us. God sees potential in all of us. God sees who we are and knows that God can work with us. God sees the block of marble and sees what could be. I'm so amazed at artists. They see a blank page. They see a blank canvas. They see a stone and they think, I wonder if that could be an elk. I wonder if that could be a new poem. I wonder if that could be a new way to tell the story of love. And oftentimes when I feel perfectly uncreative, all I see is blank. All I see is nothingness. But God, God is such an artist. 
God is an artist and so God sees what can happen. Friends, I don't know how you can look at the world around you and not know that God is an artist. Not just in the beautiful things that we see, but even in the tough stuff as well. I don't know if you know this, but did you know that possums, those horrible things that live in your trash can, they carry their young, their little pouches, their little marsupials. How beautiful is that? These like trash rats hold their youth so close to them. Do you know that cockroaches, I don't have anything good to say about cockroaches actually, I take it back. (laughs) The dawn is beautiful. I was at a training this week and I saw a deer and I couldn't help but tell everyone. It was a big deer, y'all. And I saw a pine tree that had grown in a curly cue. I'd seen yellow flowers. If you look well enough, you can see that all creation is, is beautiful. And all that is is molecules. All that is is energy. All that is is you know, thousands of years of things changing and adapting and growing. And God is at work in that. The work God is doing can look ugly while in process. This video was playing on purpose. I told Tyler, people might look at you thinking you've done something wrong, but you've done the right thing. But do you remember what that raven looked like? It looked like a bit of stone. What I would see if I saw that bit of stone was a great way to keep a piece of paper down for a very, very long time. But instead, this artist saw a raven, saw something more. And I don't know if you know this, but the stonecutter buys a hunk of marble. He doesn't buy a raven and then polishes it. I I find stonecutters to be so incredible, sculptors to be so incredible. Because I like to write. That's that's my art form that I enjoy doing. But pencils come with erasers, y'all. You know what happens if you, and something falls off on a piece of stone? Well, there goes $15,000 worth of marble, right? And you get to start all the way over. I wonder if that's why the raven wasn't a little bit bigger. But the stone cutter needs to buy the stone when it looks ugly. Friends, I, don't, I hope you understand this analogy as clearly as I can make it. God did not buy us when we were polished. In just a little while, we're going to celebrate communion and we'll be reminded that Christ died for us. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. And that proves God's love toward us. God saw the hunk of stone and saw this, what it could be. The grains of the wood, the feathers on the bird, the potential. And God bought us at such a hefty price, it cost God God's whole life. Jesus lived a perfect life, died and rose from the dead so that we might be purchased. And when we tithe, we are continuing the work God began in us. This church is at work. This church is not at work doing the motions, being the thing that people expect us to be. We are going to change our neighborhood and change the world. Your generosity is already in place. I really think it's important that people know about the money that they give to the church and they know where it goes. That's why you've been invited over and over again to the charge conference. When you come to that, you will see how much your pastor makes. You will see how much we spend on the ministry that we do here at our church. 
Everything is wide open. Anytime you want to see our budgets, contact me or the office or the finance team, and you'll be able to see all of it. The only thing we keep secret is some people's compensation. And when I say some people, I mean everyone but me. We keep that private. But your giving is already doing incredible work. Our average weekly giving when I came to Shepherds was about 800 a week. As of lately, our average weekly giving has risen to $3,200 a week. That's amen, glory, hallelujah. Thank you, God. Glory, hallelujah, because uh, when your giving is, is like that, the bishop has a tendency to call you and say, good news, you're going somewhere else. <laughs> I don't want that to happen. And our goal as a church community is to see that rise once more to $4,250 a week. Now, that will not happen because one of y'all hit the lotto, right? It, like, I don't want you to like, try and play the numbers, okay? Or the horses. Do they still? Anyways, um, I don't think that's how it's going to happen because that's not how it happened first. I didn't go out and recruit attorneys to come and join the church. I didn't like try and find a brain surgeon. Although I might start handing out tracts at doctor parking at a LRMC. I don't know. They need Jesus too. It's not going to happen that way. It's going to happen through small bits of growth. It's going to happen through small incremental changes in all of us. That's the only way that my generosity has grown. Generosity does not grow as if we snap a finger and everything changes. I was very obsessed with HGTV and then I owned a home. Boy, does that not make you so angry, right? You're like, oh, here, we're going to redo the floor and it's the next day and we've redone the floor. I'm like, I know that there were three weeks between those two things. You've grown a beard in that time. You've become like Norm at the Home Depot. I know that you did not do this so quickly. It's the same in my life. That sculptor didn't just hit the chisel once that sculptor looked like he was on fire, like he was vibrating, he was hitting the chisel so much that is God at work in our lives. Your commitment, your generosity is needed now. Some of this is rough stone, and could you see the artwork possible? Friends, what we have right now is not the final draft here at this church. Our neighborhood is not the final draft. Can I tell you, though, that this world needs us? Can I tell you that this neighborhood needs a place to come and feel safe, heard, and loved. Our landscaper texts me sometimes. He says, hey, did you guys have a party? And then he'll send me a picture of just a, just a mountain of twisted tea, uh, all empty cans of, uh, y'all acting like you don't know what twisted tea is. And just seeing that there and, and realizing that we are a place for people to come and hang out. I wish it wasn't in that way, um, but we are a safe place for some people to come and make mediocre to bad decisions. And that lets me know I, that we probably need security cameras and that we are a place where people come. What if those people came and were here? They might be in the room right now for all I know, but what if even more of them came and were a part of this community? I don't know if you've seen news stories. It's, it's pretty rare to see positive stories about churches. I get it. It's easy to point out the ways that churches fail. We do it so often. But there have been plenty of stories that I have seen where churches have purchased medical debt to the tune of millions, millions of dollars. Do you know that medical debt companies will sell churches medical debt at pennies to fractions of pennies to the dollar? What would it look like, friends, if we as a church bought millions of dollars worth of medical debt and changed the lives of people in our neighborhood, 
We could send them a letter and say, you don't know us, but we love you and God loves you. What would it look like, friends, if we had a school here on these 10 acres where kids could come and learn that God made them in God's own image and that they are safe, heard, and loved by the gospel of Jesus Christ? What would it look like, friends? What would it look like, friends? Dream bigger dreams and God can do incredible things. And when we tithe, we are continuing the work God began in us. How we invest now will affect our neighborhood forever. How we are generous now in this moment, how we invest now will affect our neighborhood forever. What could Christ remove in us? What could Jesus remove in our neighborhood? We've been given enough to change our neighborhoods. We are the help that we've been waiting for, friends. We are the heroes coming in to save a community. We are those people. So I told you about Michelangelo, and I hope you heard the cliffhanger. Someone asked Michelangelo once, how, how do you take a bit of marble and turn it into something like this? He had just finished carving an angel, and they said, how, how do you take a piece of marble and turn it into an angel? Michelangelo said, oh, it's just simple. I take hammer and I take chisel, and I remove anything that isn't an angel. I see the angel within the stone, and I set him free. Friends, that is what God says when God looks at you. I see the angel within, and I work to remove anything that is not an angel, and I set the angel free. When we tithe, we are continuing the work God began in us. We are rough drafts. And God, through community, through scripture, through worship, through this very church, is at work removing anything that is not God's kingdom in our neighborhood. Let's pray together. All right, friends. I hope you heard something in today's message that made an impact in your life. Helped you know that you're loved by God and inspired you to do something about the gospel that is offered to you. Now receive this blessing as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.